I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Examples do not prove arguments. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively. With that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work On Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work On Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. Doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. The next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me where I do a training and an open Q&A and you get the community access, member only community where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on your game. Third level is the third day mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one-on-one coaching. That is for high level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized direct attention straight from me, not part of a group, but working with me one-on-one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details and you can get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That's workonyourgameuniversity.com. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there. Even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. What's the go get energy that moves all of us, including yourself? It's going to make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. Then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, mindsets, principles, strategies. I wrote a bunch of books and we're giving you this daily masterclass. Yes, daily masterclass. 
all under one umbrella that is called Work On Your Game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic, we are going into part two of two, the six biggest fallacies that have been exposed by the COVID situation. I gave you one through three yesterday. I'll give you the other three here today and explain what they are, why they are, and how you can understand these when you see them touted or being exploited and used by certain individuals, which I'm sure you will come across. And maybe some of you are even listening to this episode right now. Now, before I get into that, let me tell everybody, I send out a daily motivation text every single morning to everyone who's in my texting community. If you'd like to receive that text completely free of charge, all you got to do is send me a text at the following number, 305-384-6894, and you'll be getting daily motivation every day. You also can engage with me there because I spend time every day going through my text and replying to people who are in my community. So that number again, 305-384-6894. So now, Let's get into part two of two, starting with point number four. The fourth fallacy that has been exposed by the COVID situation is the, quote, protect the vulnerable, close quote, fallacy. This is a fallacy of protecting the vulnerable. The fallacy goes as follows. We need to get everybody vaccinated and people need to lock down, wear a mask, get jabbed. Why? Because it's going to protect the vulnerable people in our communities. Now, I'm going to say some things here under this point number four that any of you who's new to me, you're new to this audience, are be forewarned that what I'm about to say is going to be a very direct. It's going to be very clear. You might even think it cold and harsh, but it's true. And those of you who have listened to this show before, you already know that this is coming. Episode 1871. Title of that episode was If He Dies, He Dies. And you can listen to the episode itself to get the context of what exactly I'm talking about there. And Going back to this point, talking about this protect the vulnerable fallacy, look at the death stats for the COVID virus ever since it started. If you look at the stats, and this is something that we can all agree with, the oldest groups, the oldest age groups have the highest death rate. That means people 80 and up are, have died more than anybody else. The next the highest group of deaths are people 70 and up. The next group, 60 and up. The next group, 50 and up. It goes like stairs. Right? It goes from oldest age to the lowest age, the death rate goes down, the younger the people are. And again, this is this is one thing that we can all agree with when it comes to COVID, no matter where you stand, is that the oldest people are dying the most. And we can, this is one piece of research that there's no conflict on. Let me give you all a newsflash. People die. They might not know that. They might not know that people die. Every single day, people are dying. Let me give you another newsflash. The older you get, the higher likelihood that you're going to die. Now, again, is that news? Is that, does anyone question my research? Does anyone tell me I need to do my research on that? Does anyone disagree or have any counterpoint to what I just said? Let me give you one more piece of news. All of us is going to meet this fate, given the current research, or given what we know right now, given the current science that we have, as of the fall of 2021, everybody eventually will die. Now, what happens to elderly sick, obese people, people with comorbidities when they get hit with viruses. Again, I don't care where you stand on mandates, lockdowns, jabs. What happens to people who are old, sick, obese, or have comorbidities when they get hit with a virus? You know what happens to them? I'll tell you what happens to them. They get fucked up. All right, this is what happens. You already have some issue with your health and then you get a virus. Okay, you got fucked up. It's like somebody punched you in the face and then while you're holding your eye because they just punch you in the face, they punch you again. 
All right. It's just a, a double whammy. It fucks you up when you get hit with two things at the same time. If you're already old, that means your immune system is weaker. Your body doesn't bounce back as easily. You already have a whole lifetime of your immune system fighting stuff. And now you got to try to fight this new thing is hard. And this is why older people are dying more often. This is why people who are already sick, when they get hit with something else, it makes it even worse. People who are obese, that means their immune system is already compromised. Their body is already working overtime to fight their obesity. Now they get hit with a virus, it makes it even harder. You have a comorbidity. Comorbidity is anything that could maybe move you closer towards death already. And all of these things are comorbidities, being elderly, sick, and obese. Anything else, say you have pneumonia, you had a stroke, you have some other kind of virus going on in your body. You're already fighting some type of disease. And then you get hit with a virus. It fucks you up. It makes things even harder and it makes things worse. Now, hopefully people who are already in these categories who get the virus, hopefully they survive. But the fact is, as science and research has proven to us, not all of them will. And we all know this to be true. This is not news to anybody, is it? I hope it's not news to anybody. And being that anyone can spread the virus. Anyone can give it out and anyone can get it, given our current research and our current science, and that we know the virus lives in the air for hours, which means you only had to be around another person to still contract the virus. You can't avoid it unless the only way to avoid it is to stay locked inside in a place in which no air is coming in. That means you don't open the door, you don't open the windows. Nobody from the outside ever comes in. They can't come in without opening the door or window. And you just stay inside. That's the only way that you could possibly be protected. And that's not even counting. I mean, I don't understand. I don't know the science of how much air can come into a place like right now in my place. All the windows are closed. All the doors are closed. Now, if I just kept it like this for the next 30 days, does that mean no air from the outside ever comes in here? I'm not sure that's actually true because it might come in through like the AC vents or if I turn the AC or the heating on or something like that, that air is coming from somewhere. Right. So I don't think it's possible that you could possibly block yourself from any air whatsoever. So. I'm going to that with that part that I just said is just an assumption. If I'm wrong about that, I got any scientists or anyone who's done any research on that, who's listening to this, text me. and You can correct me on that if I got that part wrong right there. But the point is, assuming that you're going outside, you're opening windows and you're ever around human beings or you ever go somewhere where another human is or has been, there is no way you can avoid possibly breathing in air that could be infected with the virus. Everybody following me? Therefore. There is no, quote, protecting, close quote, the vulnerable. You can't protect them all right, because they got to breathe. All right? they, I don't know if there's any way a human can keep living without breathing. If there was a way that humans could live without breathing, then maybe we could just we get in virus right there because everybody would just live in that way that you don't have to breathe. We all be good. Does any of you know any old people? Anybody listen to this? Know someone who's elderly, whatever age we consider to be elderly? What happens to them? You know what happens to elderly people? People who are over 70, 80, 90 years old, you know what happens to them? They die. Now, we have funerals when they die. We cry about it. And then we go to lunch. This is what happens. Now, I told you in episode 1871, if he dies, he dies. This is what happens. And let's be clear. I'm not just talking about other people. I'm talking about you and me as well. The day that I die, the day that you die, let's just talk about the day that I die. There will be a funeral, hopefully. People will feel sad, hopefully, and hopefully every anyone who comes to the funeral or hears about it shares a fond memory or two about me, hopefully. And then you know what they're going to do after that? You know what they're going to do when the funeral's over at 1030 or 1115? You know what they're going to do? They're going to go to Red Lobster and get something to eat because they're hungry. And life goes on without, with or without you, with or without me. I didn't make these rules, folks. I'm just the messenger. 
I'm telling you that to tell you this. Viruses and crises in life, and this virus is a crisis, they just expedite the process that was already in motion. When the virus first hit in the United States in the spring of 2020, and there were lockdowns and a bunch of businesses had to close down and businesses that are used, they're based on having people gathering. Now they couldn't run their businesses. Many businesses went out of business. A lot of restaurants went out of business. A lot of event spaces went out of business and bars, clubs, lounges, these kind of places. A lot of them went out of business during this whole period of this whole period of pandemic, if you want to call it that. Why did they go out of business? Did they go out of business specifically because of the virus? My answer is no, they did not. Any of you who's listening to this, you have a business that went out of business in the last year plus, and you say it's because of the virus. It's not, it wasn't because of the virus. No, you went, you were already on your way out of business. The virus just sped up the process of you going out of business. That's just the truth. Now, maybe, hopefully, that's not the first time you heard that. Hopefully, it's not the first time that has occurred to you. All viruses and crises in life do is speed up something that was already in the process of happening. A virus does not take something that's thriving and all of a sudden is terrible. That doesn't happen. A person who's in good physical shape gets a virus, but they might be down for a week. They might be sick for a couple of days, but they're going to get back on their feet and get back to doing what they were doing. Now, if a virus takes a person and just completely fucks them up and they're just in terrible shape and they're never the same again, there was something already going on that maybe they knew about, maybe they didn't, that led them to getting into that worst situation that they never come back from. There was something already happening there. You might not know what it was and you may never figure it out, but there was something happening. So a person who gets the virus and ends up dying, it, they a lot of times they're not dying from the virus. They're dying with the virus. There were other things going on. Now, we do know factually that if someone was to take a COVID test and they pass, they not pass, but they get a, a positive result, meaning they have COVID. But they don't even go to the hospital. They don't, they're not no bedridden. They're not doing it. They're still out living their lives. They just have COVID and then they get in a car accident and die. That gets marked as a COVID death. So when it comes to even the death numbers, when it comes to the hospitalization numbers, if I was to take a COVID test right now today and I get a positive result, but I'm asymptomatic, meaning I'm, I'm not even sick. I don't feel bad, anything. I'm just living normally. But then tomorrow I go outside and run and I get you no know, get hit by a car and I got a broken leg and I go to the hospital and I'm in the hospital for three weeks. That counts as a covid hospitalization. We know that this is happening stats wise. So even when you look at the data for the hospitalizations and for people dying of covid, quote unquote, stats are not even fully accurate because they're being skewed based on anything. Anybody who has anything related to covid, they're just marking that because. I think this one is just a hypothesis of mine. Somebody can check me on this. Hospitals are, they make more money the more things they can mark as being involved with COVID, whether that's a death, hospitalization, positive test, et cetera, et cetera. The point is here, we're still on point number four. Viruses and crises expedite processes that were already happening. If you're under the age of 60 and you're in bad physical shape, that's not a public health issue for somebody else to get the jab so you can be safe. If you're under the age of 60, and you're not in good physical shape and you're concerned about getting the virus because it might put you in a bad, really bad space. Who kept you out of the gym for the last two decades? It wasn't me. It wasn't your next door neighbor. It wasn't the person around the corner who said they're not going to get the jab. It wasn't Kyrie Irving or Jonathan Isaac or Nicki Minaj or Joe Rogan on TV. They are not the reason that you're afraid of the virus. You're afraid of the virus because your last two decades of inactivity, you set yourself up 
for being in a periled situation. Remember what show you're listening to. All right. Look at the title in case you didn't know. All right. It's not a public health issue and it's not anyone else's job to protect you if you find yourself to be vulnerable based on something that either you did or that you did not do that led up to this situation. Because remember, crises just expedite a process that was already happening. You were already on your way. Now, if the virus sends you there, right, don't be mad at the people who don't, didn't go get the jab. Be mad at yourself. All right? They didn't go get the gym. All right? they, you want them to get the jab, you need to go get the gym. Moving on to point number five. Today's topic, once again, is part two of two, the biggest fallacies that have been exposed by the COVID situation. Number five, the slow the spread and get the virus under control fallacies. Both of these fallacies will put them together in point number five. We got to slow the spread and we got to get the virus under control. Now, both of these fallacies have been used over and over again by regular everyday people. They've been used by government officials. A lot of people have been throwing these things out here. And the reason that I don't like these fallacies and the reason that they're fallacies is that they are not measurable. They're not tied to anything tangible. And they can, the goalposts can just be continually moved as people just keep using these over and over again. Well, we got to keep, everybody got to wear a mask in school until we slow the spread. Or we got to get everybody vaccinated until we get the virus under control. Or I need everyone to do this. So we're going to keep doing that. We're going to have these mandates. We're going to block this. We're going to stop that. We're not going to be able to do this and that. Until we slow the spread, what does that mean? Slow the spread. How slow does the spread have to be? Give us a number. Get the virus under control. What does that mean? How many hospitalizations? How many deaths? What the rate? What needs to be happening so that we know it's under control? I need something. I need to put something tangible and measurable on these goals of slowing the spread, getting the virus under control. So if you if you allow a person to say, "All right, my goal is," and they have something that's very intangible and it's vaporous like this, they can you could just move the goalpost whenever you feel like it. That person will never reach their goal. Years ago, I was talking to a room full of high school students. And I don't usually talk to students or, or kids. I, I prefer speaking to adults. But I was talking to some kids one day and this kid in the room said, and I was talking about goals. And the kid said, well, my goal is to be an excellent basketball player. And I told him that's not actually a goal. I, I said, it's, it's a fine idea, but it's not a goal. A goal means you got to give me some measurable things. How many points you want to score? Give me a, a number of points you want to be averaging. How many minutes do you want to put? Do you want to be a starter on the team? Like how many wins, how many games is your team going to win next season? It needs to be something measurable so that we can look at it and you can look at it, kid, that I was telling him, and you can say, okay, have I hit my benchmarks or have I not? But saying that you want to be an excellent basketball player, what the hell does that mean? There's nothing measurable to go with that. It's cool if somebody called you that. It's cool if you feel like one, but we got to make it measurable so that we know whether we're there or we're not. And it can't be vaporous like this. So these two phrases, slow to spread, virus under control, are fallacies in themselves. I don't care where you stand on jabs or anything else that I have said yesterday or today, or any other day for that matter. This one we can agree has continually expanded as necessary. Does everyone agree with that? Can anyone say that what slowing the spread and getting the virus under control means today is different from what it meant in March of 2020? Can we agree? The problem with these phrases is because they are malleable and not measurable, they can be used forever and there is no end point, meaning a person can just keep using this forever and keep saying, well, yeah, it's slower now than it was last month, but it's not slow enough. So we got to keep slowing the spread. OK, we got it more under control now than it was last year, but it's not under control enough. So we got to keep getting under control. So we're going to keep these mandates and lockdowns going until I feel like changing them. That's exactly what's happening. Now, it might sound ridiculous me you know, throwing it out there like that, but it, somebody tell me that's not happening. 
You can't slow the spread of air. And we already know from research of WebMD that viruses can live in the air for hours. And it appears that when people say get the virus under control, that means maybe, what does that mean? Does that mean no deaths whatsoever? Nobody's dying? So then it's under control? Because there will always at least be one state that's in the lead when it comes to deaths, right? And then people like to throw these, this data out. Well, look, look at these states. You got people on one side of a conversation saying, well, look, states like Florida and Texas that are open, they got the most deaths over the last seven days. And then when it swings the other way, people on the other side of the conversation say, look, states like California and New York, they have the highest rate of new diseases over the last two weeks or whatever it is. And everybody's just throwing, there's always going to be somebody who's in first place, right? There's always going to be a country or a state or a municipality that's in first place. So when has it slowed? When have we gotten it under control? When did the noise and these alarmist headlines end? It started with two weeks. Remember when they first locked everything down? Or we need two weeks to slow the spread. Remember that? Two weeks. It's going on two years. When Joe Biden got inaugurated, he held a mask in his hand, a blue surgical mask, the ones that we know don't work, right? Those masks. Biden held up a mask and he said, we need 90 days, everyone wearing masks so that we can slow the spread of this virus. That was his actual statement. All right. He's been in office for more than 90 days. He got inaugurated in January. I'm recording this is the beginning of October. So somebody do the math on that. Help me out. Dr. Fauci says, well, the science changes. All right. Sure. Yeah. Science itself does not change. Let's back that up. What he, he said, the science changes. What I get what he's meaning. Directionally, I agree with what he's saying. The results of what we found, because we are doing scientific research, can change over time. That is accurate. But many scientists do not agree with Dr. Fauci's findings, but their messages are being suppressed. If you haven't heard any messages from a person who is a scientist, a person who's quote unquote qualified to be speaking about this stuff, saying anything that goes against the conventional, I guess, let's not even call it conventional, let's call it the mainstream wisdom, and I'm using that term loosely, wisdom of what to do with the virus. If you haven't heard any of those, then I suggest you expand your sources, your sources of data. Because there's a lot out there from people who are, again, they're not mainstream. So if the only place you're looking is mainstream, you're not going to see these. And I don't care what side of the mainstream you're on, you got to go underneath. You got to go underground and get this information. Those messages are being suppressed. This is why you can't get informed by the news anymore. And this is why it's becoming harder and harder for people to have discourse because we're all getting information from such disparate sources. And this is the part of the reason why it's become what it's become. Let's move on to point number six. Today's topic, once again, is part two of two. The biggest fallacies that have been exposed by the COVID situation, not because of COVID, and it's not really about COVID, but they've just been exposed because of COVID because people are throwing these things out, or through COVID, rather, because people are throwing these out. Number six, this is the, aha, you got COVID fallacy. All right, anybody heard this one or seen this one? This is the the sickest one of all of them. This is the most, this is the nastiest fallacy of all six fallacies. Aha, you got COVID. This is the sickening joy that pro-jab people feel when someone who has spoken out against lockdowns and or masking and or jab mandates actually gets the virus. This is when they get happy. All right, so let's just say these two episodes that I put out right here where I am, I guess somebody could, who's not going to, not a logical or critical thinker, could look at this and consider me to be anti-mandates, anti-vaccine, anti-mask. I'm anti-something, right? I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? I'm getting my information from too many right-wing sources. I'm a MAGA Trump supporter. Whatever they would say, it just got in the hands of the wrong person, right? And then let's say I get the virus and that, that headline comes out. What are people going to say? 
they're not going to say much. There's not much substantial they're going to say. They're going to say, aha, you got COVID. All right. You did all that talk about why this is wrong and why that's wrong. You made fun of this and talked about research and talked about all these fallacies. Well, what's the fallacy of you getting COVID now, Dre? This is the aha, you got COVID fallacy. This is the sickening joy that people feel when other people get sick just because that person who got sick happened to have the wrong opinion before they got sick or even worse, that they die. And I've heard stories of people who had passed away with COVID, who knows if it was of COVID or of or with COVID, who had previously said something against lockdowns or masking or jabs. And then people go and they actually feel glee. They are actually celebrating that this happened to this person. I've seen this on social media and it's crazy to me how warped so many people's minds have become about this, that they actually are happy that someone gets sick or that someone dies just because that person happened to have a different opinion on a subject that is not, I mean, whether that person lives or dies doesn't really affect you, but you're celebrating that they got sick, celebrating that they died simply because I guess it makes you feel more validated in your opinion. Do you understand how crazy you sound saying something like that or even thinking it? So I'm calling this a fallacy because anyone can get the virus. Or no matter how they feel about a, no matter how you feel about a lockdown, jab, mandate, et cetera, mask, anybody can get the virus. My unscientific prediction, this very unscientific prediction that I'm giving here, I'm giving that a disclaimer so you know, everybody will eventually get this virus. And you will either deal with it via your immune system, which could be uh, bolstered by whatever that is that you got put into your arm, or you will be dealt with. One or the other is going to happen. I predict that everybody's going to get the virus. And once everybody gets it, each individual person, you will either handle it or is going to handle you. That's the, basically the two options that you got. There, there is no other option. It's one or the other. And what do we call that, people? We call that life. Listen to episode 1871. Someone speaking against mandates of any kind and then getting the virus does not move the needle in a conversation. That doesn't make anyone more right or more wrong just because someone who said, well, I don't like mandates gets the virus. And if someone who is for the mandate of vaccinations, quote unquote vaccination, and then they go and they get the virus and they die, that doesn't mean that they were wrong for having their opinion. Again, it's an opinion. Opinions are not right or wrong. And most important point, everybody, I'm going to have to keep saying this. I'm going to say this a lot over the future of this show. I'm going to say this all the time. Examples do not prove arguments. Let me say that again. Examples do not prove arguments. You cannot prove an argument by having an example. Just because something happened, if you say, if you say something like anyone who is against the vaccine mandates is wrong, and then that person goes and gets COVID, the person who said that, that doesn't prove that you're right for saying that they were wrong. And again, vice versa, if a person who's for the mandate, they get the jab and then they get COVID and then they die anyway with the vaccine, quote unquote vaccine, it doesn't prove that they're wrong for wanting people to get the jab. Examples do not prove arguments. An example of something happening is just that. It's just an example. The way you prove an argument is through a logical series of points that you make. You don't prove an argument by pulling up examples. You can pull examples of anything. You can pull an example of something that only happened once ever. It's still an example. That doesn't prove that that doesn't prove you right, nor does it prove somebody else wrong. And if you find yourself using examples to prove an argument, you are not thinking critically in that moment. You need to learn how to build a logical argument. And I actually have some episodes on that, how to actually build an argument and 
disagree with people in a logical way that actually makes sense. Now, you got to make sure who you use this with, because there are a lot of non-critical thinkers out there who, for whom this skill will go over their heads. In episode 1612, I told you how to formulate and present a logical argument. There are a lot of people who need to listen to that episode. In episode 1424, seeing both sides of any argument. Listen to both of those. All that said, let's recap today's class. This is part two of two. The biggest fallacies that have been exposed by the COVID situation. They were not created by COVID, but they have been exposed by COVID. Number four, the protect the vulnerable fallacy. I told you in episode 1871, if he dies, he dies. Look at the death stats. The oldest people are dying. This is basically what happens in life. You take COVID away, this is still going to be the same stats. The oldest people die, the youngest people live. Newsflash, people die. Another one, the older you get, the higher likelihood you will die. One more, all of us are going to die at one point. That's what research says. What happens to old people, sick people, obese people, when viruses hit them, they get fucked up. And this is just how it goes in life. Hopefully they survive. Not everybody's going to survive. There is no protecting people who are already in this situation. Life is designed to clear out the weak and make room for the next wave. This is how life is designed. Okay. Do not be mad at me. This is how it was created. Whatever creator you believe in, they set this up. Don't take it up with me. You take it up with them. We have funerals. We cry about that person dying. Then we go to lunch. When you die, there's going to be a funeral. Hopefully, hopefully people are sad. They have memories of you. Then they're going to go to Red Lobster and get something to eat because everybody's hungry and life will move on with or without you. Again, do not be mad at me for saying it. I'm just the messenger. Number five, the slow to spread and virus under control fallacies. I don't care where you stand on jabs or anything else that I have said. This one, we can agree, just has continually expanded over and over again. Started with two weeks. Biden said 90 days. All right. When is it in? All right, we're going on. How many sets of two weeks have we gone through so far? Number six, the aha, you got COVID fallacy. This is the sickening joy that a pro-jab person feels when someone who is against the jab or they just say, I don't want to mandate a jab, speaks out against the lockdown, against the mask, against the mandates, and then they actually get the virus. All right. This is a fallacy because anybody can get the virus. My prediction is everybody will get it and either you will deal with it and live or you will be dealt with and you will die. That is life. Again, I didn't make up these rules. This is what it is. Somebody speaking against mandates of any kind and getting the virus does not move the needle in a conversation because remember this, all you critical thinkers, examples do not prove arguments. All this said, if you want to receive my daily motivation text every morning, send me a text from number 305-384-6894, free of charge straight to your phone every day. If you're interested in being coached by me, where we talk about your strategy, make sure you're being held accountable and make sure you are actually executing on what you want to do personally and or professionally. My third day mastermind is the only place to get that. The link to get on the call with me is down below in the description. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp, focused, and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Get the daily motivation.